The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check. So football season's basically over. So it's time to get you caught up on what's been going on when you've been sitting there dealing with fantasy, watching playoffs, and fill you in on all the things you might have missed. It's also trade deadline season. So we're going to update you on the best trade rumors. I also have to mention this end of the Celtics-Lakers game where LeBron James threw the biggest tantrum I've ever seen in my life, and it was hilarious. Also, potential bad news for our dubs. Too much happening around the league, Nick, so do me a favor. Drop that generic-ass beat. All right, so let's get into it. I know you've been watching football. I know you haven't been watching the NBA. I know it. It's There's lots of games going on on Saturday and Sunday. Did you watch any of them? No. I know you didn't. It's fine. I didn't either. But I did watch him after the fact. So I wanted to start the episode with some fun facts. Some things that may shock you or surprise you or delight you in doing my research and getting ready for this episode. Not a lot of time to get into them deeply, so we're just going to go through them line by line, step by step, day by day. Number one, Kawhi Leonard currently, you may not know this, a lot of people think Kawhi Leonard is washed. Kawhi Leonard is currently the best player in the third best player in the NBA over the last two weeks. Yeah, he is. He's averaging 29 per points per game on 58% from the field, 44% from three, and 90% from free throw in the last eight games. That's what his shooting splits are. He's also averaging one and a half steals per game and a half of a block during that time period as well. So just a fun fact for the Clippers, which is why they're surging. Ant Edwards has become... From Ant-Man to Superman as well. He's averaging 30 a game as well. 50% from the field, 44% from three, 84% from the free throw line. He has two steals per game. So he's actually currently better than Kawhi Leonard. Almost a block per game too. And then as a result, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I don't know if you know this, but they're actually good again. They're up on the standings above the play-in 
version, ab- above going to the play-in tournament. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10. They are cooking without Carl Anthony Towns. And do not look now, they are currently fifth place in the West. Fifth! Fifth in the West! And in the month of January, if you look at their wins, oh, they're probably playing cupcake teams, right? They're probably playing teams that want to tank. No, in the month of January, they've beaten the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Cavaliers, the Nuggets, I said that already, Grizzlies, and Kings. All top four teams. That's ridiculous. The Pelicans, we move on. They are horrible right now. They currently are not very good. They've gone from second in the West to eighth in the West in a split second time. They've lost eight in a row. Herb Jones has missed 16 games out of 51. B.I. now has missed 22 games. He's finally back, but is he back? Zion has missed 22 games. Don't know what's going on with them, but they probably need to make a move at the deadline. Sixers. Sixers currently the best team in basketball. Yeah. Embiid has gone from 15-1 to to win the MVP to now just just shy of 3-1. to He's currently second in MVP power rankings. That is how dominant Embiid has been, and that's how good the Sixers have been in the last two weeks. The Wizards, and I mean this, I mean this in the best possible way. The Wizards are actually something that you can talk about on this show. The Wizards. They have won their last five. They've traded Rui Hachimura and somehow got better. In the five-game win streak that they have had, the Wizards are top ten offensively. They are ninth. And top 10 defensively, they are 7th. They are shockingly in ninth place right now, even though I thought that they might be tanking, and they're one team that thinks that they are a piece away from making some sort of playoff run. That's where we're at. The Pacers, who we love, good, fun story, Tyrese Halliburton balling, they are atrocious currently. They are 1-9 in their last 10, which is the worst in the NBA during that time frame, and that happens to coincide exactly with Tyrese Halliburton's injury. Of their nine losses, they are at losing by an average of 13 points. So if you are a gambling person, a betting person, whatever, keep that in mind when you're thinking about playing or fading the Indiana Pacers. Bad stuff. Pretty much more important to his team than almost anybody else. The Bucks, who have been terrible, all of a sudden are hot. They are currently blowing teams out since Chris Middleton got back. Since he arrived back from injury... Things offensively clicking. They have scored over 135 points in three of their last four games. They scored 150 against the Pistons. Giannis back to scoring 50 again. Their demise greatly exaggerated. The Raptors are in such disarray. There are now reports that Nick Nurse could be on the hot seat. They are talking about trading everyone. Three other five starters, Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent, OG Ananobi. The latest is that OG Ananobi might be going to the Suns, which would be something, which probably means DeAndre Ayton is going to the Raptors. And I thought they probably saved their season for maybe a week or two, and now they haven't. And now Nick again on the hot seat. Current news from Sean Sharanya. There are Jaron Jackson conspiracies brewing around the Reddit realm. There are reckless claims about his stats being padded at home because I guess scorekeepers are being influenced by the deep state or something. I'm not sure. There were highlights that were put out on Twitter. There were extra scrutiny in that game. And what did Jaron Jackson decide to do in that game when those extra eyeballs were there at the crib? Uh, Have a block party. Just 
defending recklessly. Currently minus 200 to win Defensive Player of the Year. And finally, the part that's much more interesting to me than almost any other is that the Kings are so good, they are so hot, that a fan base that hasn't seen the playoffs in over 15 years expect them to win every game. They want to riot in the streets when they lose games that they probably should or must or can lose. Yeah, they believe that they should win every single game now. That's where the fan base is at. That's how good the Kings are sitting atop the West. With just one football game left on the schedule, we're about to enter full NBA season, so that's going to run from the Super Bowl through June and the end of the finals. So now that you're all caught up what's happening around the league, don't miss another episode because things are going to get crazy very, very soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We've got a growing issue on our hands, and it concerns the referees. And I'm not talking about the Cincinnati Bengals getting screwed by the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm talking about LeBron's nationally televised game you probably saw and the meltdown that you probably saw at the end of the Celtics-Lakers game on Saturday night. One of the big centerpiece games of the year, all eyes on them, and did it deliver. It was so good. Here's the background. Lakers, who have late actually have been pretty good. They were eight-and-a-half-point dogs in Boston. Should have been a blowout. Everyone thought it's going to be a blowout. Why is this thing on national TV? Kings are playing. Kings are not on national TV. They got flexed out for the Lakers, which is par for the course. But somehow, some way, the Lakers delivered and put up a fight to the point where they were leading at halftime. They held on to the lead. And, of course, the Celtics roared back like Celtics do. And a game without question that was decided by, you guessed it, the refs. You guessed it, a non-call for a star player, the biggest star in the league, in our last generation, LeBron James. Celtics down three points with 4.1 seconds left to go. Jalen Brown gets a very suspect ticky-tacky and one call. Heads to the line. It is now tied up. Lakers have four seconds left to go. They give the Lakers the final shot of the game. LeBron James, like the dominant player that he was in his prime, decides he's going to put his head down, go straight to the rim, goes up for a layup, and then smack. 
What do the five fingers say to the hand? I guess it was his forearm. Smack! Gets smacked on the forearm by Jalen Brown. Looks at the ref, dead in his face. No call. God damn. I don't think I've ever seen LeBron James that mad in his life. None. Never seen it. Fell down to the ground in what was either some sort of Minnesota Timberwolves playing glue yourself to the court experiment or an overly dramatic whine, but it was a full-on tantrum. Pat Beverly was so mad at the non-call, he somehow takes a DSLR camera from the cameraman to show the ref that his hand, his arm was actually slapped by Jalen Brown or, J- or maybe Jason Tatum. And one of the more egregious non-calls of the season and that bringing out, I, that was a whole new thing. I'd never seen someone grab a camera from a, from a photographer to show the ref. But that's where we're at. Wasn't something that was reviewable. And, of course, it cost the Lakers the game 100% because they would have sent LeBron to the line with almost no seconds left on the clock. They would have been up two. They would have won the game. But instead, because of Pat Beverly's antics, before the game even, the OT even begins, two free throws for the Boston Celtics tip off and now they're leading and they never give up the lead for the rest of the game Lakers lose not even a question that it was completely blown not even a question that the game was stolen they asked Darvin Ham what he thought about it here's what he had to say I mean as much I know I can't speak for anyone but myself um, as much as you try not to put it on officiating it's becoming increasingly difficult. Um, there, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff we could have did better in this game, but for the most part, we competed our behinds off, uh, played the right way, played together, stayed aggressive, playing downhill, playing in the paint. And it's unfortunate that you know the game ends on a play like that. It's 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 unfortunate, especially with, and you know I don't, you don't ask for favoritism. You just ask for consistency. You don't ask for favoritism. You just ask for consistency. Later on, he says, the best player on earth can't get a call. It's amazing. Braun wasn't as angry as I thought he would be, but he was just just sad, just resigned. Some some sort of emotion I had never seen from LeBron. So they ask him. Challenging. Challenging. Um, I don't get it. Attacking the paint um, just as much as any of the other guys in this league that's shooting double digit free throws a night. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, I don't get it. I don't understand. Shooting double, I should be shooting double digit free throws a night. I'm getting to the lane just as much as these other guys. I just do not get it. Well, according to Dan Wolke, the league immediately reached out to the Lakers to confirm that, yes, the refs indeed did blow the call and Tatum should have been called for the foul that would have given Braun two shots from the line to win the game. Last two-minute report said the same thing. Even the head ref, Eric Lewis, admitted that they blew the call right after the game. They asked him what was up, and this is what he had to say. Hey, uh, why was Patrick Beverly assessed a technical foul at the end of regulation? His actions were inappropriate, in addressing resentment to a non-call. 
It looked like he brought a camera out. Was he trying to show you something? Yes, that was part of his inappropriate actions. It looked like there was contact on LeBron's drive at the end of regulation. Why was there no foul call, and what did you see? There was contact. At the time, during the game, we did not see a foul. The crew missed the play. No shit. That was very obvious. It was egregious. Here's the thing. Blown calls happen. It sucks. Yada, 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 yada. But if you are LeBron James and you are the L.A. Lakers or you are a Laker fan, you should lose your goddamn mind about this. Why? Because it is affecting whether or not you can go to the playoffs or not. This is the fourth time in the last two months the Lakers have been hosed in the last minute of a game that has cost them said game. Three times the league admitted their mistakes. The fourth time when they said Russell Westbrook wasn't fouled on a game-winning attempt where Joel Embiid literally grabbed his wrist, probably one of the most egregious of the bunch. So if you were to add those four wins that were stolen from the Lakers, I can't even believe I'm discussing it this way because I hate him so much. The Lakers are currently 23-27. and 27. If they had won those four games, they would be 27-23, and 23, which looks at the standings would be fourth place in the West. A game out of third place. Instead, they are sitting right around 10th. And that is a massive difference with the West in turmoil. According to the Lakers' official last two-minute report, there have been, this needs to be said, there have been 34 incorrect calls or non-calls in the final two minutes of 19 games that the league classifies as close. 21 of those 34 incorrect calls have gone and favored the Lakers. So you might say, well, the Lakers get more calls, but four games now in the last two months have been stolen. And I, I'm going to predict that some team at some point is going to get screwed out of the playoffs by a bad call. They will. There will be a team that, because of a bad call, ends up missing the play in, makes, missing the playoff. Maybe it's the Lakers. If I'm AD and I am Russ and I am Braun, I would not be happy. I would feel like we are gelling at the right time, and somehow, some way, we just cannot buy a win. We are getting wins pulled out from under us. And it is turning a team that could be, quote-unquote, successful or improving to a team that has really no recourse, really no hope, really no desire to do anything else. If they get to the playoffs and, and we're he- aren't healthy, the Lakers will be dangerous. But it looks like it might be difficult for them to do that the way that things are going if the refs don't get out of the way. Moving on. So we got to talk about this new news about Bob Myers. Bob Myers, GM of the Golden State Warriors. There are some things rumbling about him. We know that the Warriors have had a tough year so far. They had the punch that was heard around the world with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. It's even gotten stranger than that. Currently, they are sixth in the West, 25 and 24. But also two and a half games out of 13th place. So things are teeter-tottering on either success or brink of disaster. The West, like I just said earlier, is an absolute meat grinder. And this team is still 6-18 and 18 on the road. So there's some things going on. There's some issues for our dubs. We don't know where they're going to land, whether it's going to get fixed or smoothed out. But in the midst of all of this, quote-unquote, we'll call it instability, inconsistency, 
comes the news. The Bob Myers, the architect of the dynasty, you could argue also Jerry West, is unhappy and might be on the move. Bob Myers, the architect of the dynasty, might be on the move. So he recently said in a podcast about leadership, he said this about his future in the Bay. He said, well, I do really like what I do now. I love our group. I don't think it's anything imminent as far as stepping outside of this job. But it is healthy to ask where you're at and what you're doing. And since then, the rumor mill has been buzzing. Where will Bob Myers go? Why is he maybe unhappy? The most likely scenario, if he does go, apparently is a move to Los Angeles to rejoin with Jerry West and a very, very rich owner in Steve Ballmer. The rumor is suspect. It does make sense, though, considering that Myers wants to be the highest-paid GM in the league. That's the thing, is you've got Lakeup paying a lot of money to all these players deep into the luxury tax, and they're not winning to the level this year that they expect. And then you have Bob Myers saying, hey, guys, I, too, need to be paid. I am on an expiring contract. What are you going to do next? Is Myers unhappy in Golden State? I don't know. I don't think that's the right word for it. Maybe he's burned out. Maybe he needs a new challenge. Maybe he needs some more money. It's a very high-pressure job, especially considering you've got that half-a-billion-dollar payroll that you're staring at and expectations from an owner of multi-generational dynastic runs. But, listen, the Clippers are a good job. This could be another uh, opportunity to reunite with Jerry West. And... For me, that would probably be a very good combination. I know that they like uh, Lawrence Frank in L.A., but I don't know that you turn down an opportunity to get Bob Myers. The stability, though, for the Warriors, for our dubs, has been in large part due to Bob Myers being the captain of the ship. He's one of the very few talent agents that have ever come into the front office of a team and immediately succeeded. Franchise faces huge decisions, ranging from what to do with Clay what to Draymond Green to how the two-timeliner poach is going to go. You've got two of three cornerstone pieces that you thought, Wiseman and Moody, who are very far away from being starters, and the other one and Jonathan Kaminga, very raw. So it might be the right time for Bob Myers to step away. Since his uh, contract was up in December, there has been no news on a new negotiation. This could be the final year for Bob Myers. Wouldn't that be something? And I'll be honest, as a lifelong Dubs fan, without Bob Myers, things just would not be the same. So we've got a lot of trade rumors popping. They're all the rage. It's happening. Next week, when we're having our Super Bowl week, when I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona, the trade deadline will come and it will pass and people will be moved. I thought I would fill people in before we head on the road to discuss some of these rumors. Number one on the trade rumor block is Bones Highland. I did not see that one coming. Bones Highland of the Denver Nuggets possibly might be on the move. And I said to myself, why? How, Sway? Denver's atop the standings. 
Bones Highland is a really nice young player. He's only in, what, his second year. He puts up buckets. What is happening? He's a, he's a nice young player that's, that's playing really well, right? Well, if you look at uh, what he's been doing lately, not so much. He's averaging just seven points a game in his last eight games, from down from 17 a game in the previous eight games. So I don't know if this is just a way for the Nuggets to scare him. That's what I'm hearing is maybe they want to get him back into shape. Maybe they don't think his decision-making is commensurate on the timeline of a team that's trying to win a title now. But our favorite old man yells at the clouds, former coach George Carlisle. I don't know why he decided he wanted to speak on this, but he did. He tweeted, Bones' shot selection could kill a potential championship team. I am supportive of the Bones trade by the Nuggets. I am not sure who asked for this insight from George Carl. I do not give a fuck, honestly, about your opinion on the Bones Highland trade rumors. Do you have some sort of reason to chime in on this? Do you have a dog in this fight? You do not. Why are you speaking? And I don't know. I don't know why you had to do him like that. Why do you have to make him seem like he's not a player who could help a championship team. He is. Anyway, moving on. The Bucks, the Bucks are going to be some busy beavers, it appears. They're going to move Jordan Nawara, who, let's be honest, isn't getting a lot of playing time for a good reason. And the latest news is they got permission from the Suns to speak to Jay Crowder. That's been the rage for pretty much the entire season, even in the offseason. Would they get Jay Crowder? Would they get Jay Crowder? Would they get Jay Crowder? That would be the P.J. Tucker type player that they are missing. I think that they are a team that's going to make some moves. Bulls and the Blazers. Blazers getting Jay Crowder would be electric factory. I would love that. We'll trade you Josh Hart and we'll trade you Yusuf Nurkic for Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton. How's that? Um, <laughs> I think Jay Crowder is going to get a lot of suitors, so we'll have to see where he goes. But it looks like the Bucks are front runners. The Celtics... Even though they're front runners, even though they have the best record, looks like they are looking to upgrade their roster as well, moving possibly Peyton Pritchard, who also just went on the Point Forward podcast, which is by Evan Turner and Andre Iguodala. And they asked him what his future held, and he said, well, obviously after I'm done here, after this year, I'd like to have, I don't know, be a part of a bigger role a little bit. Note the after this year comment. When a team knows that you are dipset after this year, they're not going to try to lose you for nothing, Peyton Pritchard. How about after uh, the trade deadline? Maybe you'll have a bigger role moving forward because you're not going to be on the Celtics team. Most likely, now that Malcolm Brogdon is there, he is a six-man-of-the-year candidate, and that is squeezing you out. We all know, moving on, that trader Danny, he loves to trade. We know he loves to make moves at the deadline. They are currently the Utah Jazz looking to shop Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. And get this, my man Trader Danny wants a first-round pick for both of them. Not together, for each. What? So, okay, let's, let me get this straight. So the Rudy Gobert trade, if he ends up, Trader Danny, trading Malik Beasley for a first-round pick and Jared Vanderbilt for a first-round pick, that would net, does some quick math, seven First round picks for Rudy Gobert. Do you think that's fair? I don't know if I think that's fair. 
I think that's a fleecing. So you get four first-round picks, and you get Walker Kessler, who was a first-round pick. And then you get Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. They get to be first-round picks. I mean, that's not even considering some of the other guys that you got in that trade that you could move. And then you move and add in all the picks that could be. How many first-round picks do you think you can get for Laurie Markkinen right now? Probably three. So here we're talking about maybe four. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell may end up netting if you were to just turn all the players that you get and all the picks and combine them. Maybe 15, 16 first-round picks. That is a haul. That is a haul, bro. Also, the Jazz, I don't know why, are interested in Dorian Finney-Smith. I bet they get a first-round pick to just get Dorian Finney-Smith as well. I don't think you're paying anything for Dorian Finney-Smith. Let's be honest. The Mavericks have apparently, according to Shams, an incredibly high price threshold for teams reaching out about Finney-Smith. That seems like a not-true statement to me. But keep your eye on Utah. I don't think they're done making moves. Uh, the most interesting figure next to Jakob Pertl on the market right now in terms of white big men that you didn't know that you needed uh, is Mason Plumley. Yes, Mason Plumley, actually, somehow, some way, balling. Averaging 13, 10, and 4 from the field on 67% shooting. I looked at Mason Plumley's game log the other day, and I was shocked. I was bereft. I could not even, I was a little verklempt. I had no idea my man Mason Plumley was putting up 20 on a random night. 15 rebounds on a random night. Also, there's a lot of people who want Mason Plumley. Kings, Lakers, lots of, probably the Blazers again. The Hornets also currently shopping Kelly Oubre, which I think he's been out for like six weeks with an injury, but someone will want a chucker, and I am sure Kelly Oubre, when he gets to that team, would love to be on a heat check. Uh, Bulls, Bulls currently vacillating between whether they're buyers or sellers, which is pretty much a testament to who they are right now, not having any sort of team identity, not knowing what direction they want to go, kind of in and out with the wins. Uh, but it is, one thing is clear, a lot of teams want Alex Caruso. A lot of teams are coveting him, but it doesn't seem like he's going to go anywhere because the Bulls' asking price is right up there with delusion uh, because some people think in the Bulls' organization that the GOAT is worth multiple first-round picks, which I am telling you for a guy who I think went undrafted from Texas A&M, also not true. Looked into it, reached out to some of these insiders. They told me it was poppycock. They said that first two first-round picks for Alex Crusoe, absolute poppycock. He is... So, I guess, to the Chicago Bulls, untouchable given the fact that he has such an astronomical price and apparently the Bulls believe he's a core part of their culture. Probably the only guy, let's be honest, that you need on this team to build around. They should build around Alex Crusoe. Why not? Friend of show, uh, Jake Fisher, who I'm going to see uh, hopefully this weekend, reports that the Lakers' resurgence has made them be a buyer more likely than a seller. And one player that they're interested in, which is fascinating to me, is Gary Trent Jr. That would be something. They do need shooters, and he can shoot. He can't play a lot of defense. His deflections are way down. 
At, just ask Nick Nurse, who thinks he's basically someone who they don't even need on the team. Uh, but he would be a nice addition. Clippers, also, they need another guard. Kawhi, in particular, has gone from being load-managed and not thought about or talked about or heard from to being very vocal, shockingly, about bringing in a point guard. They are interested in Gary Trent, but more so former teammate of Kawhi, Fred Van Fleet. Which, if you could get a Fred Van Fleet and a Kawhi Leonard, both former champions, onto this Clippers roster, uh, and Norm Powell, by the way, uh, that would be something. Chaos, like I said, in Toronto. That would mean a lot of players on the move. Portland? Portland's looking to sell as well. Thank God. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Now you know who I'm talking about. Get rid of Yusuf Nurkic. He's been god-awful. Please tell me he's on the trade block. Please tell me he's on the trade block. Yes. Josh Hart, Yusuf Nurkic contract is an anchor. He's making so much money. He's a clutch client. Please get rid of him. And it remains to be seen, apparently, according to insiders, whether Yusuf Nurkic is a negative asset. So... That little deal you did, that little extension you did, uh, may not have been a good thing except for just having that that salary on your books. A lot of people don't realize this as a quick aside. Sometimes you make bad deals so that you can make the salaries match even if you have to attach a pick. Because if you were to not sign Yusuf Nurkic, that money would basically not be available to you anymore due to the bird rights that you have for him. So there's a lot of math involved, which is why these bad contracts continue to get done. I've got your bird rights. I'll sign it a $25 million deal. Maybe I have to attach a second round or a first round pick to get rid of you. But I get somebody who's actually worth the $25 million uh, in return. So that's an interesting thing. His ability to pass on a good team and shoot. He's been a good three-point shooter. Maybe maybe a team wants to roll the dice. Wolves. Wolves have resurrected their season with Carl Anthony Towns on the bench. And it looks like they are moving on from D'Lo as a result. I tell you what. If this team moves on from D'Lo and Carl Anthony Towns is on the bench and they're winning games, I don't know that Carl Anthony Towns is far behind him. D'Angelo Russell and the Wolves are apparently very far apart terms of the contract extension he has unfollowed them from instagram and all the social media accounts that he was supposed to be following he's taken i think at one point he took minnesota timberwolves out of his profile these things are lame but these things are things you have to think about when you're looking at the tea leaves apparently minnesota wants to move him, get some value back lakers apparently are interested in having him back we could just reunite all the lakers let's buy him back let's get thomas bryant back oh yeah he's there let's get kyle kuzma back Let's get D'Angelo Russell back. All the guys that you had. Maybe even uh, Julius Randle. Bring him back. Maybe Brandon Ingram. All these players. So loaded. Maybe you could just get get them all and reunite them back now that they've been developed without LeBron having to do the dirty work. The Rockets. Let's be honest. They're a hot mess. There are players that seem to be on the move there. Jay Sean Tate. Eric Gordon. We've been saying this for years. Eric Gordon's been on the move there. It's like Miles Turner. John Collins, Eric Gordon. These are the three most talked about players in terms of moving them. The problem is that they are looking for a first-round pick in exchange for Eric Gordon, which is what they did last year and which is what they did the year before that when P.J. Tucker was on the move. So I don't know what's going on. It doesn't make any damn sense. Houston's really bad. All the decisions that they make aren't great. So it would not surprise me if Eric Gordon just became, I don't know, a firm member of their bench as well. I don't think Eric Gordon is going anywhere. Weirdly, they are connected as well to John Collins' rumors, which make no sense, which 
means probably Alperin Shangun wouldn't get any. All of these things that happen with the Rockets, take them with a grain of salt. The one and nine Pelicans looks like they are desperate for some help. They have made Jackson Hayes available, Najee Marshall available, Devontae Graham available via trade. We know that they need wings. They do not need any more guards. This is not a place that a scorer that cannot play defense is going to flourish. Who can they get? I have no idea, but I know that they need to figure it out because Zion is out and Brandon Ingram is not fully healthy and they're, and they're falling like a rock. Trade deadline right now is next week. It is going to dominate pretty much what we're going to talk about during that time period. Let's try to get some people on. We'll cover all of that. Hopefully give you some more inside tea. Uh, keep you right there. And, of course, next week everything will come to a close and we'll know who went there. We had uh, Keith Smith on the show, I think, uh, last week. And he said he thinks this is going to be a very, very busy deadline. So keep it locked and we'll have to see. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. Come back on Thursday for an all-new episode. We will be breaking down more of the trades. Of course, we'll have some more tea from around the league. Something bananas will probably happen. I'm going to be very busy filling you in on the details on that. Do not forget to follow us, though, on Twitter at at this heat check and at Trista Crick and tell all your friends. Find me on Instagram. Instagram's blowing up right now. I don't know what's going on with the algorithm, but they're making it better, so go and follow me there. Uh, And the heat check doesn't sleep, even on the weekends. We'll see you next time.